When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is actor, writer and podcaster Helen Monks. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. Uh, So to start with, I'd just like to ask, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? So I have kind of memories of the TV show, but having now watched a whole episode I realised that I don't think I ever did as a child. I think I had friends who watched it. And I think I went to see the film in the cinema. But when I went to see the film, all my friends were like big fans of the show, but I didn't really know much about it. So it was a little bit of a a rude awakening watching it and (laughs) realising that this had existed for such a long time. And in terms of S Club 7, the band, you know, I was never actually like a huge fan. I was much more of a steps gal and um mm. and like those kind of and spice girls i was never really a big s club 7 person so this has been quite an education <laughs> but they were kind of everywhere weren't they they were kind of inescapable even if you weren't really a fan yeah that's exactly it so i sort of didn't realize how i didn't really know much i mean obviously like some of their classic songs were played at all the birthday parties so you just knew them through proxy but um, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever like sought them out or bought an album. So in terms of then having watched this episode now, mostly I've come away with a lot of questions for you as as an expert <laughs> rather than any kind of, uh, uh, I don't know. I do have opinions of my own, but rather than any kind of knowledge on S Club 7, I've, I've almost learned less through watching it. Well, I can't guarantee that I can answer those <laughs> questions because this show does raise a lot of issues. <laughs> But your cinema experience sounds like when I was in high school, I went to see the first Twilight film oh, yeah. on the night on the night that it came out. And I'd never read any of the books or anything. I And I went with a group of friends who were big fans. And it was just like going into another world because they were just <laughs> screaming girls 
watching this film like when characters were introduced to just screaming and I was sitting there like what is this why am I here that's such a good it's like my brother my brother works every year at the international Elvis festival convention which is all (laughs) of the Elvises from around the world all go to Benidorm and um, he like does a lot of the lighting and and, um, sort of tech side of stuff for that festival and he says the first year that he went exactly that you suddenly realize oh my god there's this whole world where for them that is their whole world and they don't necessarily know any different but for you it's like you've suddenly walked into like an alien species and you feel suddenly (laughs) completely out of place so I think yeah that was definitely how how I felt when going to see S Club 7 the movie and it sounds like your Twilight experience too. Elvis convention I'm gonna have to google this. Oh honestly it sounds insane because it's the mixture of sort of it being in Benidorm which already is like such Mm. a strange concept of of a place to go on holiday because it's very like British and Mm -hmm. it's very like white British holiday and then yeah apparently there's just all these insane Elvises who are really really good and they're like my brother showed me a couple of videos and the like stage uh the technical side of it is insane it looks a bit like Eurovision like it's proper high tech (laughs) really big lights and sound and stuff and yeah everyone goes wild for all the different Elvises wow (laughs) So today we're talking about Miami 7 episode 12. Mm -hmm. It's called How Deep Is Your Love? And it aired on CBBC on the 24th of June 1999. And it starts with them all kind of finding cockroaches in the hotel, doesn't it? It does. It does. There's a sort of competition for the bathroom in the morning, which is happening in like the girls' room and the boys' room. And Yeah, the girls get woken up by an alarm clock that Tina actually flushed down the toilet two episodes oh. ago. So <laughs> inconsistency, <laughs> it's, it's back. Um, and yeah, they're all kind of competing to see who can get in the bathroom first. Rachel gets in there first. So Tina and Joe are annoyed. And Hannah is kind of like, oh, I I got up early and I was going to go in the shower, but there was a cockroach in there. And then Rachel like runs out screaming. I love the I love the absolutely classic. It's like a university production where she runs out of the shower in a towel, but like completely full hair and makeup and clearly has been nowhere near water. (laughs) Someone's just put her in a towel. Yeah. (laughs) But also Hannah, for ages, I thought that she was... um, I thought that she was somebody's child and I just got like she looks so unbelievably young and I think maybe because she's like no makeup and I mean I can't really talk that it's literally me but it took me like a good five minutes to work out who she was because I was thinking oh so Tina has a her young child with her and she has managed to not go in the bathroom and I didn't remember anyone having children at that point in S Club 7 so it took me a while to work out what was (laughs) going on. Yeah, Hannah is like a little baby in this. I think she's about 17 um, and she looks like she could pass for younger. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. She's so cute though. (laughs) They all run over to the boys' room and the boys kind of laugh at them, but they're also scared to go in their bathroom because there's a cockroach in there too. And Hannah also mentions that she's seen one in the kitchen and decided to just tell a customer about it casually. (laughs) I really appreciated Bradley's acting in the scene where they're waiting to go in the bathroom because some some director has clearly said to him like, okay, so you really need a wee and you're waiting for the bathroom because the whole <laughs> scene he's literally like 
jumping up and down like like a frog like holding his groin and it's so distracting it's all I could look at was like wow Bradley is really about to wet himself I wonder do you think anyone has actually done that when they needed a wee like just hopping around because it's a common thing isn't it in tv and film you're so right but it's I've never seen anyone doing it in real like waiting in the queue for the toilet at Cafe Nero holding their crotch <laughs> so the department of health show up and it's a bit confusing because when they pull up, there's a sort of police siren noise, but there's <laughs> yeah. no police car there. It's just a van yeah. and a load of men jump out wearing hazmat suits. Um, and there's a guy in a suit with sunglasses, like he's with the FBI or something. And he's like, we're just here to do a spot check. And Rachel goes, spot check. They take their skincare so seriously in America. Oh, it's a classic line. Honestly, the the like one line is in this uh are off the scale that it's like watching friends it's just like zing 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 <laughs> classic rachel <laughs> classic rachel and we see this guy telling howard who runs the hotel that there's a major infestation and he's taken his sunglasses off now and it, it turns out that it's the same guy who was actually in a previous episode but now with a different job so I was thinking, like, do you think they just didn't want to hire two actors? So this is the thing that I, this is one of my questions, the first of many, and maybe this is just my lack of being able to concentrate because I'm just so, like, looking at Bradley jumping up and down needing a wee or I'm distracted by the absolutely <laughs> horrendous acting. But I was just so, I just, and having previously listened to your podcast, I still, I'm so confused, like, where they are, what they're <laughs> doing, who these guys are why they're there like I just like the context of the whole thing is I just can't I just can't can you can you, can you shed some light on it what are they doing <laughs> it's it's loose it's just they the first episode starts off with them in the UK yeah and they're kind of a, str a struggling band and then they they go to Miami, their manager sends them over there because he says he's got them this job where they're going to be sort of performing in a hotel every night, yeah. like a classy hotel, but it's not a classy <sighs> hotel. It's like a, a rubbish hotel and they also have to like clean and do all of that sort of chore stuff as well. Like a static cruise ship. Yeah. And um, Howard and Marvin are the two guys that run the hotel right. and are just not well, they sort of fluctuate between being nice to them and being horrible to, horrible to them. The, the characters aren't very consistent. But yeah, and then it's even more confusing because this guy who shows up, who's in charge of the, the health department, was in the series, I think two episodes ago, he was in charge of the immigration department at that point. Well, you know. <laughs> and now he's moved. So yeah, maybe they just thought, oh, we'll just use the same guy and we'll put in a line about just acknowledging that it's the same guy and he's just switched jobs or maybe in america it is you know it's there's a venn diagram of uh like your expertise and immigration and i don't know checking inspecting hotels is like all part of the same course you learn it at the same school because it seems like it would almost be a step down, really, yeah, being in charge of immigration to being in charge of just inspecting how how clean hotels are. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. He got demoted. <laughs> he should have kept his sunglasses on and then we wouldn't have realised. So he says he's closing the hotel down. And yeah, all throughout this scene, Marvin in the back is like eating Tic Tacs. Did you notice this? Yeah. And it's not really explained. 
Like, I'm not sure why that's happening. You're so right. I'd not even questioned why, but it is just, there's no reason, is there? Because it's not a character trait or anything. <laughs> he's never done this before, but he's just sort of distractingly eating Tic Tacs throughout this entire scene. Howard asks this guy if he's open to bribery. And again, when he was literally in the show two episodes ago, one of his main things was that he wasn't open to bribery. Like, that was a big deal in the episode. So... I don't know, Howard hasn't learned anything because he's still asking him if he's open to bribery <laughs> and he hasn't changed his stance. But he's quite fair because he, he tells Howard that he's giving him four days to clean the place up, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's got a bit of time to prevent it from being shut down. Yeah. And then the the hotel, the other hotel guy offers the inspector a tic-tac, which I think he takes, does he? <laughs> I can't remember now. I was. I think I was just too distracted <laughs> during this. Scene. There's too much going on. I think he does, and I wondered if maybe that was like um, the Tic Tacs are to overpower the taste of the dirt that's in the kitchen because it's so infested. Maybe. So may- maybe there is a reason for the Tic Tacs. Maybe it's too subtle for me. I think also part of the reason for the Tic Tacs, which doesn't work, was um, because one of the hotel guys then. The other guy then started choking the guy who was eating the Tic Tacs, like really, really grabbed him by the throat (laughs) and was choking him. And when he does that, the Tic Tac pops out of his mouth. So maybe they just needed (laughs) something to be in his mouth in order to have that visual. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It was worth it. (laughs) The payoff. The band are quite pleased about all this because it means they get four days off. And... I don't really get this bit because Howard says he's going to send them all on the annual staff retreat, (laughs) which is clearly something he's just made up because Marvin is like, what annual staff retreat? But I don't really get his motivation for doing this. Did you get this? Why doesn't he just say you've got four days off? Yeah, it was so weird because they'd said, are we going to get paid for the four days? And he said, no, because my doctor advised it. Because if I paid you, I would die. <laughs> Which like, then Hannah says, oh, like that would be, she makes an implication like that would be fine. We'd be okay with that. But also <laughs> then surely sending them all on this fictionalized made upon the spot, like holiday is going to cost him more than just four days wages it's just so bizarre there's yeah there's no reason other than it helps the plot move forward yeah because during this scene i was kind of thinking oh is the joke gonna be he sent them to this place and then it's horrible but it's not at all it seems quite nice so i'm not really sure why they could he could have just said you've got four days off and then they just could have gone oh yeah let's go to that dolphin cove place we've been wanting to go to for a while and i feel like that would have made more sense than him forcibly sending them there i completely agree it's so strange and to forcibly send them somewhere so nice like you say it's just mind-blowing Howard, what's happening? The Department of Health has ruled this hotel unsanitary. And I have to close down for four days to get this place deloused. Four days off. A vacation. A fully compensated vacation. Well, I I would like to pay you vocabulary, kid. I would like to pay the whole staff. But uh, sadly, I can't. Uh, Doctor's orders. Because if I were to do something like that, it would kill me. And you don't want my death on your conscience, do you? Uh, we'll have to get back to you on that. So, I'm sending everyone off on the annual staff retreat. The, the what? what? The what? What annual staff retreat? The annual staff retreat. You see, 
Every year, I send everybody away for a few days rest and relaxation at a top resort. Why, it's a tradition. Since when? I don't remember any annual retreat. See? It goes back even longer than he can remember. It does. And this year, it happens at Sequarium Dolphin Cove. A dolphin cove? You mean we'll be swimming with dolphins? Short kid. There'll probably be so many people staying there, you'll have to share your room with a dolphin. Yeah, I don't get what his logic is, but yeah, they're, they're suddenly in this place now, uh, Dolphin Cove, and it looks like every other beach we've seen in, in the series so far, so I don't think they've actually gone anywhere. <laughs> I think they're just in the usual place. Uh, Hannah and Tina want to swim with the dolphins, and the others are kind of weirdly disinterested. I don't know why. Because the dolphins are amazing this is when the show really started picking up for me was when the dolphins got involved but yeah like you say it's not really it's not really acknowledged that they're even with dolphins like even with hannah and tina they 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 have these chats and the dolphins just happen to be there but it's not like they're not like woo dolphins no one ever really makes a big (laughs) thing about it it's so strange yeah there was a bit earlier in the series where rachel was really kind of underwhelmed by an alligator (laughs) and as if you just see them every day so maybe it's just continuing that but it's pretty much all of the band they just don't care that there are dolphins there (laughs) apart from like two of them again it's just so obviously a a plot like they need it for the plot (laughs) they need to separate them all out so we'll just make these people really disinterested in the performing dolphins yeah and this this woman suddenly appears and is like oh hi i understand you're interested in the dolphins and that's when paul sort of jumps up and is immediately like oh i'm interested i'm interested in all marine animals <laughs> and he says i've seen jaws six times i think that shark was deeply misunderstood so this is the point where i do actually think there are some genuine brilliant moments in this that if you gave that line to for example jennifer aniston that would be <laughs> yeah. you know, like fantastic but there is just something that I don't, it's just, they're, they're all just so unbelievably bad. And I don't understand how their careers weren't completely ruined by the show. That even when they're given like a small moment of a line that might work, if it was in any other context, they managed to completely butcher it. I was just, it, it makes the line sound horrendous. And actually, I just think Paul is completely to blame. Yeah, Paul's sort of default setting when he's acting is kind of a bit, smug i'm sure he's not like that in real life he doesn't seem to be but it's like that's what he kind of defaults to a lot of the time the way he's kind of like i believe that shark was deeply misunderstood (laughs) but he seems to deliver a lot of his lines like that in a kind of smug way smug and also as fast as possible in order for it to be over is the kind of is the sense that (laughs) i get yeah, and so they all go off to, to to meet the dolphins and John turns to Bradley and goes, Bradley, look, there are girls here. <laughs> like he's about 12. <laughs> but also like that he's ever been to the beach and there haven't been girls, you know, like he's ever been in a yeah. public space and normally it's just all boys and all men and oh my God, <laughs> girls, they exist too. Can you believe it? What on a beach and there's girls here, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> And they have quite a weird conversation where Bradley says, the trick with girls is to treat them like buses. And his point is, if you miss one, another will be along in a minute. And John goes, oh, for a minute there, I thought you meant don't put your feet on their seats. (laughs) That's so someone at 2am in the writer's room just going, that'll do. (laughs) 
But also, I think there was supposed to be a joke within that that was, the the thing is, you know, girls are like buses, you wait ages and ages and then two come along at once. And Bradley's misunderstood the saying. But because there's no, like, through thought to it or, like, cleverness in the writing, like, there's no... There is a joke that they clearly are trying to write that they've just managed, they've just got, oh, that'll do. Yeah, don't put your feet on their seats. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and Bradley is kind of wondering where Joe and Rachel have gone. And John goes, oh, they're at the other end of the beach watching a photo shoot with loads of models. <laughs> and Bradley suddenly kind of zips over there like it's a sort of uh, fast forward effect, isn't it? Yeah, but also I love the idea that they're over there watching models doing a photo shoot like they would ever be doing. Like, oh, what are you doing today? We're going to go to the other end of the beach and watch some models doing a photo shoot. And then when they get there, it is just one woman having a picture taken and Joe and Rachel <laughs> stood weirdly close commenting on <laughs> commenting on her. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's not like they're shooting a music video or anything. It's just like one model and one photographer. Yeah. But apparently that's more interesting than the dolphins. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Why is no one with the dolphins? So this is where we actually do get some some dolphin action. Paul, Tina and Hannah are there. And this woman who's called Janine, who I guess is a sort of instructor at the resort, is trying to tell them stuff about dolphins. And Paul is being really sort of mansplainy. She says, <laughs> um, oh, in many ways, dolphins are more intelligent than humans. And Paul is like smug again he says i find that very hard to believe but then to be fair he does then slip into the water so at least he does get a little bit of a, a comeuppance there for being so smug it's quite a good pratfall as well he sort of you know the timing of that is is vaguely funny like it's almost like he kind of <laughs> for a moment knows what he's doing because he like you say the smug setup and then the slip and clunk it's like classic comedy <laughs> yeah she also says some people even say that dolphins are almost, and then Hannah goes, telepathic? And apparently the dolphin told her that. So this is the beginning of like a whole through storyline where <laughs> Hannah is inexplicably in communication with the dolphin, but even at points when the dolphin isn't there. And, um, and I can't work out if it's like... Cause if you were, you know, like narratively, if we were to accept that Hannah believed she could talk to the dolphin, then that would make sense. But we're actually supposed to believe that the, what the dolphin is saying is true, as we like later find out. So it's just such a bizarre, we suddenly enter this weird sci-fi where Hannah is able to <laughs> genuinely talk to dolphins and dolphins have really important things to communicate to Hannah. It's bizarre. Yeah, because you, you could assume that she was just being kind of delusional. But then, yeah, the dolphin later on does actually know things <laughs> that we haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. The dolphin, the dolphin is smarter than Paul by the end of it. And it always seems to be the same dolphin as well. It's one called Donnie. So I'm not sure if she just has some sort of connection with Donnie or if it's like she can just speak to all dolphins for some reason. Maybe Donnie is a man in a suit and that's how they're getting around the, the loophole of the fact that we're all supposed to believe <laughs> that they're actually in telepathic communication is it's a man whispering. Because <laughs> there was something earlier where... Yeah, this isn't something that's come up before, the fact that Hannah can like speak to animals. But she did mention something a while ago where it was kind of like, oh yeah, that was it. She said that she could sense that an alligator had had a, an unhappy childhood. 
So that happened before. So that maybe was kind of seeding this slightly for the future. But like you say, it would make complete sense if Hannah believed that. But the fact is that that is actually what we as the audience are supposed to now just go, oh, yeah, that's happening. She is actually in in communication with these animals via her brain. Yeah. And Tina's comment on this is, uh, yeah, Hannah doesn't mind who chats her up. I know. Bit slut shaming there. Yeah, Tina's not having any of it. <laughs> uh, Paul then goes up to Janine and asks her what the difference is between a dolphin and a porpoise. And as she's telling him the answer, he's just kind of staring at her really intently, like he's considering killing yeah. her or something. It's quite disturbing. That's what I thought. I thought he looks like he's going to murder Janine. Is this going to take a dark turn? Yeah, it's really bizarre. And then he proceeds to then, once she's answered, ask her exactly the same question again. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then she turns sinister as well because she starts sort of walking towards him going, you're not really interested in dolphins, are you? You're just pretending as part of your courtship ritual. And there's quite sort of dark music kicking in as well. Like maybe they're both thinking of killing each other. (laughs) Is this show for kids? This is what I was trying to work out in this moment. Yeah, this is one of the more, I was going to say one of the more adult episodes, but it's it's not really adult, but like there's talk later on of um like snogging and stuff. And that is more adult than what we've had so far yeah. in this series. And that moment where she sort of comes over him and says, you know, exactly like you say, she sort of seems quite threatening and he seems quite aroused I thought was and they're both you know in their (laughs) swimwear I did slightly think oh my god is this about to turn porno it was very like the music playing (laughs) the sort of illusion the the chats I was like oh god maybe I've misremembered what this whole show what the audience of this show was about Because, yeah, he kind of falls back onto the floor, doesn't he? And she's kind of getting closer and closer going, I can see your pupils are dilated. (laughs) And she she takes out a little notepad and starts making notes like, you've got shallow breathing now as well. It's disturbing. (laughs) Like a dominatrix. It was very sexually confusing. Yeah, and he's enjoying it because, well, she suggests they should meet up. She says the reason for the notebook is apparently she's majoring in marine biology and behavioral psychology. And she says she finds him interesting as a sort of specimen. Uh, (laughs) So suggests they should meet up. And then when she leaves, Paul turns to Tina and Hannah and goes, she wants me. (laughs) Again, that's so a writer in a writer's room at 2am just going, we have to end this scene now. And rather than just putting (laughs) the scene ends, they have to have some kind of line to explain to the audience what's just happened. You're not really interested in that. Aren't I? No. You're just pretending to be interested in dolphins as part of your courtship ritual. I... I am? Yeah. It's classic courtship behavior. It is? Let's see. The pupils are dilated. You have shallow breathing. You're making quick, uncoordinated movements. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. (laughs) Yes, you are. And you're beginning to perspire. It's classic. I looked up this actress. Uh, she's called Kim Faze, and she 
has a few IMDb credits in the 90s and she was in four different shows that have the word Miami in the title. Oh, no way. <laughs> so I don't know if that was her thing. That was like in the contract or something. That's I'll only do it. Casting. Yeah. And one of them was involving dolphins as well. There was a show called Flipper. So I don't know if she's got some kind of dolphin no skills way. that she just put to use but that would make sense it would make sense if she was actually because i guess maybe they needed this it seems like quite a low budget show and maybe i'm wrong but they will have definitely needed some <laughs> kind of actual dolphin trainer because the dolphins do lots of flips and activities in the back of shot don't they so maybe they thought oh we can just pay a one fee and we can get her to look after the dolphins and be the sexy marine biologist slash psychoanalyst yeah, I, I couldn't find much about what she's doing now, but she was apparently married to this guy who is now married to Elle McPherson. No that was all way. I could really find about her. No but way. yeah, I, the guy doesn't look like he has any right to be married to either of them. Like he's not, <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't suit them. It's one of those cases where he's like a really rich guy and he's been married to all these models. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, that was all I could find about her post Miami oh, 7. No. It all went downhill after she was in S Club. This is the problem. It does things to your career being in this show. She did. Do you know what? I couldn't work out if she just looked like a good actress, you know, next to the team of S Club or if she was a good actress. Because I actually thought she was sort of one of the more convincing people in the show. She like did an okay job of of being believable as a human being. Yeah, I think she's pretty decent compared to some of the other kind of guest actors who've been in the series. Like occasionally... Well, they're always better than S Club, but sometimes sometimes not by that much. But I think she's sort of she's committing to this. She's doing the kind of sinister side to Janine quite well, yeah, I think. Yeah, kudos. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. So this is the point where Joe and Rachel are watching the photo shoot on the beach. <laughs> And the, the photographer is holding up some sort of device in front of the model. And Rachel tells Joe that it's a fat detector. Honestly. But then she's like, oh, only joking. It's a light meter. But at first I did think that was genuinely what it was because it's the sort of thing yeah. that this show would say. It was the 90s. We were we were less progressive mm -hmm. with our with our women's, you know, like body image issues. Um yeah, and, and speaking of that, Bradley then comes over and starts kind of drooling over the model yeah. and says says some weird stuff. He says, um, what a cuticle. 
what does that even mean and he also i know i guess he means like what a cutie but for some reason it's become what a cuticle and he also (laughs) says she's tick which is something he said in another episode and i'm not really sure what he's on about (laughs) i think bradley is the best actor out of the lot you know he he for me i was really i was team bradley even when he was being a misogynist and calling women cuticles i was (laughs) i believed it i believed him I thought it was good. Good effort. Yeah. I think he always looks like he's committing to it, like he's um, quite energetic and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And this is the most insane thing now because Rachel Rachel looks at the model and says, I could do that. And Bradley is like, what? You? <laughs> to Rachel Stevens. <laughs> like, you, a model, how dare you? <laughs> It is completely. It's that classic thing where like um, Emma Stone plays the frumpy one in The Help and the, the idea that she's, <laughs> Rachel's supposed to just be this like, uh, not even girl next door, she's supposed to be. It's completely incomprehensible that she could ever be a model. It, you're right. It's just, it's where, I mean, it's not where you stop believing the show because that was probably in the opening credits, but it's definitely <laughs> a point where you, you're brought out of the kind of the story and you sort of question, you question the whole storyline and why anyone's doing this and why their agents let them get involved and what's happening and why does this show exist it's just yeah and every girl watching this at the time was probably like oh if rachel's considered unattractive then oh god (laughs) you're so right you're so right did you do you remember watching this the first time around this episode uh not specifically i did watch it when i was like in primary school but i can't remember like specific episodes to be honest just little bits that's good so the the trauma of feeling like rachel stevens <laughs> wasn't attractive hasn't maybe subconsciously it stayed with you but not consciously that's that's good yeah bradley says to her you wouldn't have a snowball in a sauna's chance which is quite an interesting phrase <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's just the clunkiness of the writing where, like but like I say, I do think Bradley's the best actor, but just that is not something Bradley would ever say. And I think it shows as well that, and I felt this with a few things that Rachel said, where you just can tell that some men have written this script in their big writer's room mm-hmm. and gone, that'll do. And none of the S Club 7 lot have thought to sort of have any kind of power over their own roles within it and have just read the script, learnt the script, and are just saying the lines no matter how implausibly out of character they feel. Because, yeah, that, again, just pulls, pulls you slightly out of the show when he says, not a snowball in a sauna's chance. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But then the photographer does come over and goes up to Rachel and is like, excuse me, have you ever considered modelling? And he asks if he can take some test shots of her tomorrow evening, which sounds a bit shifty, yeah. but Rachel is quite excited. That that story could have gone in a different direction. <laughs> but um, And then Joe, again, just joining in with Bradley, Joe goes, it's the twilight zone. I mean, you, a model. <laughs> <laughs> just that old nail in the coffin there, in case we weren't sure. Not very supportive. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Rachel. She's had a tough day. What's that thing for, then? It's a fire detector. He's just making sure she's not overweight. That device is the reason why all models are all constantly on a diet. Right. Oh, right. Joe, it's a light meter. Yeah, I knew that. Woo! What a love puff. What a cuticle. She's 
Yeah, she's okay, but I mean, I could do that. So could Joe. You? Rachel, modelling's not just about standing there and looking pretty, you know. Well, yes, it is, but. You couldn't model, you're just too. Rachel! Thanks for the career advice, Bradley. I know where to go next time I want my ego boosting. Trust me, you would never snowball in a sauna. Excuse me, have you ever considered modeling? Yeah, that kind of seems like that's their attitude towards Rachel pretty much throughout the whole show. Because they're all supposed to be these good friends, but most of the time they are just kind of like, oh, bloody hell, Rachel. (laughs) Like she's a nuisance. (laughs) I wonder if they in any way tried to sort of create characters based on their actual... Because I know you said before, like, the two of them were in a relationship and they then brought that into the show. Like, I wonder if any of the dynamics of their friendship were brought into the show, such as everybody bullies Rachel and is horrible to Rachel to try and sort of gaslight her into thinking she's really gross and horrible and unattractive. And they thought, oh, we'll just bring those qualities that we have in real life into the show by bullying Rachel on screen as well as off screen. <laughs> yeah, they they do argue a lot in this series, just like as a band. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a weird kind of thing because you think, oh, we, we should probably be setting a good example for the kids watching. But they do just yeah. argue about the most petty things. Like there's some coming up in this episode, which people are just furious with each other for no yeah. real reason. Yeah. But this is, the, this is the point where we actually get a song. It's called Hope for the Future. And we get some nice shots of dolphins jumping around and all that, some of them riding on the backs of the dolphins. But it's kind of a weirdly sort of slow, downbeat song for all of that stuff that's going on, I feel. So this is the moment when I realised I don't think I ever did watch it as a child because this this is the first song, like you say, of the show and it's not until we're 10 minutes, 42 seconds in at this point. Um, And so I was completely caught off guard that they just started singing and dancing. And I was so caught off guard that I've got to be honest, I did slightly fast forward through the song. I listened to the first few like beats of it and I was like, oh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm really in the headspace to be watching basically a S Club 7 music video. So I just like, oh, I, I skipped and I caught a few bits of it. And then I was like, right, back to the action. I wanted to know what happened next, to be honest. I was like, why are we having this musical interlude? You were hooked. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, this one is like a music video sort of thing. The songs kind Kind of vary because sometimes it's this sort of thing sometimes it's them actually performing at the hotel you know because right. they're the entertainment there but yeah this is very just like this could be a music video a bit more high budget than usual though because there was an episode earlier on in the series where it was this sort of thing when they were kind of singing to the camera and everything but they were just in a shop <laughs> that looked like Debenhams or something <laughs> You're right. The dolphins were really going for it in the back of shot. They were really like, it's what's her name? Um, actress slash dolphin trainer. Janine. Janine. <laughs> she's she's clearly behind the camera doing some conducting, but they were really impressive. They were flipping and flipping and I slightly, it slightly reminded me of Blackfish, you know, the, the documentary about the yeah. mistreatment of, of sea animals. And I did slightly wonder and what the ethics were around the dolphins. And I just thought, actually, I'm not going to look too much into that because I've got to crack on with my day. But um, but maybe there's a scandal to be broken there. Yeah, maybe that could have been the plot. Donnie could have communicated that to Hannah. Like, <laughs> you have to get me out of here. <laughs> the dolphins are being abused. I think that's an episode of, oh, I was going to say The Simpsons, but I think it's an episode of South Park oh, where right. they think that there's... I think it's a practical joke in the end that they think the kids think that this whale 
at like the local sea park is telling them to like let let it free so they're trying to get the whale out of the park <laughs> oh i would have i would have liked that in this episode here yeah because maybe well we know that obviously the rachels are the the rachels the dolphins are talking to hannah and the rachels are talking to hannah mm-hmm. so maybe the dolphins <laughs> were were telling hannah please help us free us from janine <laughs> And Hannah's like, what's that? Joe's over in in the bar. <laughs> like, just not understanding. She's only hearing what's relevant to her life. <laughs> so after the song, they're all together apart from Bradley. He's off somewhere else, which is, I guess is kind of hinting at what we're going to find out in a bit. But Paul is all kind of like showing off that he's got a date. He's like, okay, guys, let's wrap it up. I've got a date tonight at nine o'clock. And they're all quite, again, not very supportive <laughs> of their friend. Joe goes, all right, I'll ring Newsnight, shall I? Yeah. So again, this is a very British reference in what I thought was an American show. But is it not? Is it a British show filmed in America? Yeah, it, it did air in America. So I wonder if they maybe change some of the references because they do that sort of thing with TV shows, don't they? Maybe they dubbed in something yeah. else. A ACM or whatever it's called, Fox News. Um, I <laughs> I also wondered why Newsnight, if it's for kids, no kids are going to be watching Jeremy Paxman on Newsnight or understand that reference. I, I was very confused. Also, oh, my yeah. question was, um, is Paul a bit notorious as, as, as having no love life and being a bit lame with the ladies? Is that why he was so excited for his date? Um, I think... Bradley has a bit of a reputation in the show for being a ladies' man. Yeah. And I don't know, Paul and John, it doesn't really come up. Well, there there was a whole episode about John not being able to chat up girls, which is a whole other issue. But um, (laughs) yeah, it it hasn't really come up for Paul any... Yeah, he hasn't had a a girlfriend or anything in this series, so... So lame about the whole thing. Like, it was so cringe. It was a bit uh what are they called like in incel men who like believe that the whole world is rejecting them and then finally like for the first time in his life one woman had said yes to going on a date with him it was just like so cringe yeah and the girls just don't care and john kind of goes too far in the other direction because he goes way to go paul the love machine <laughs> it's like no john. it's like no john no and then this is the point where Bradley runs in and he's like, hey guys, I just met this great girl. And Joe says something which I had to rewind a few times because I couldn't make out what she was saying. But she says to Bradley, all right, we could do without a tongue hockey match report. <laughs> Again, cut to the writer's room. What should we put here? I know. It's just so, but it's not even, it's not even an expression, tongue, tongue hockey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what maybe tonsil tennis is a thing i guess yeah it's just so clunky maybe they've heard that and misremembered it <laughs> but it's like the women are like buses thing where women are like buses you wait and wait and two come up at once but bradley recites that wrong and maybe joe is doing the same like you say is doing the same thing where she's but is the running joke that they've heard expressions that they've misremembered that's a very sort of subtle uh, Easter egg joke for the audiences to go back and get. I don't know. It's probably more 
the writers have gone, what was that thing my kids said the other day? <laughs> and like tonsil tetanus. No, no, it's tongue hockey. <laughs> and Bradley's going on about like, oh, she was a great kisser. And again, being a bit of a ladies man, he says, I haven't felt that much passion since, well, last night. And we don't know who he's talking about at this stage, but we find out later that it's actually Janine. Yeah, plot twist. They're all having breakfast together the next morning and they're making fun of Rachel again because she's eating muesli, <sighs> the cheek of it. But again, it's a reference to the fact now she's now she's got her modelling career in front of her, she's going to have to stop eating anything. Um, and it's really weirdly like preluded by lots of very close-up shots of the rest of them all really grotesquely eating like scrambled eggs or like three sausages in their mouths at once. It's like a really weird <laughs> where they've storyboarded that out and thought, I know we'll have all the shots of all the eating and then we'll cut to Rachel pathetically eating muesli and that will be hilarious. It's so, <laughs> it's so misjudged. Yeah, I think it's Paul, isn't it? He's got like three sausages in his mouth at once. <laughs> Classic Paul. <laughs> and then oh, this is this is the most cringe conversation, I think. John turns to Paul, because obviously Paul has had his date now. Uh, John turns to him and sort of puts his arm around him like he's trying to be a bit of a lad. And he goes, so last night, what happened? And Paul goes, there was action. <laughs> I'm going to start using that all the time. And I think everyone just knows what it means. There was action. <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse as well, because Joe then says, of the snoggulous variety. <laughs> it's like the tongue ice hockey or whatever it was. You can also do snoggulous. Yeah. God. Yeah, it's weird coming from Joe actually, because literally in the previous scene, she said to Bradley that she didn't want a tongue hockey match report. And now that, jo yeah. that Paul has mentioned he's kissed someone, she's like, give us all the You're deets. So right. That's, yeah, that's not a very clear narrative for Joe there, is it? <laughs> literally two scenes in a row. <laughs> very contradictory and oh god this is funny now she says to him we want details how many times and for how long <laughs> like is she still talking about I kissing know. at this point i know and again this is when i was like i did slightly wonder if it was trying to be progressive and give a sexual education to children of like this is how you talk about this is how you debrief about stuff you ask how long and how many times it's just <laughs> slightly entrenching all of the things that are a bit wrong with our british sex culture but that's fine we'll overlook it imagine if someone asked you that when you were a teenager if you said I, oh yeah i kissed so and so and then your friend said how many times <laughs> that'd be a bit specific and for how long and what counts as one kiss is it just when you break away and for breath and then you relaunch <laughs> like I'd love it if yeah you have to keep count yeah <laughs> one two three. I can't remember what he answers does Paul does Paul dignify that with an answer no I think oh this is the point where Janine walks in <gasps> yeah. um, and he's just kind of saying he's saying quite generic things just about how good the date was so he's not really saying anything particularly embarrassing but she kind of sneaks up behind him and when he notices he falls off his chair does a little scream <laughs> And uh, she says, um, oh, remember, you said you'd help me take dolphin urine samples today. <laughs> there's no there's no explanation for that, is there? She just says that and everyone just accepts that, yeah, that's what they've agreed to do on their second date is collect the urine of dolphins. But did you have this? My yeah. brain then went to how that even 
happens because dolphins are in water. I can't think where they would oh, pee yeah. from. Like, what's the urine being used for? I then didn't listen to like the next five <laughs> minutes of the scene because my brain had just gone, <laughs> why and how and where and what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. Have to Google it. <laughs> also, I really liked Paul's Pratt fall off his chair. And this was another question I had for you. Is that a common theme of Paul? Is he all because he's fallen in the pool, he fell backwards when Janine was sort of intimidating him and now he's fallen off his chair. Is there like a running thing that he's really clumsy and always falling over? He's got dyspraxia or something, or is that just this episode Paul's decided to fall over every five minutes? I haven't particularly noticed it before. I think it might have happened once or twice, but it's not a really obvious running thing. I wonder um, if they've slightly misunderstood the rule of three and they've gone, well, he fell over once, so now we should probably do it two more times this episode because otherwise it's not <laughs> classic comedy. Yeah, Paul is really like at the front of this episode, isn't yeah. he? He has a lot to do, bless him. Bless him. A lot of uh, story to carry. <laughs> He must have been knackered when it ended. Yeah, because he, he's all kind of embarrassed about the fact that Janine has just walked in, even though he wasn't really saying anything bad about her anyway. <laughs> but he tries to introduce her to the members of the band that she hasn't already met. Um, but he forgets all of their <laughs> names. And Rachel says that her name is Grizabella. Because <laughs> why not? So I don't know if um, Cats was big at the time, possibly, <laughs> or if it was just a random name they pulled out of the hat. Again, it's but, like um, the, it's got the four formula of a joke but it doesn't work because there's no setup like you say there's no context to it it's like it's a funny thing to say but it's not like um a payoff for something that's already been set up it it's it's like three different people have all written the scene and someone's written the payoff and someone's written the setup and they don't match together yeah definitely so Janine walks away and then we get like this, this is the most 1999 conversation I think I've ever heard. <laughs> First of all, Paul is like, oh, that was so embarrassing. I wanted to be like Leonardo in Titanic. <laughs> and yeah, first of all, like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say Leonardo. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would say Leo, really, wouldn't you? you or Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, Paul says he really likes her and John goes, what, as much as Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> yes, I love that. And then he's, <laughs> as much as Jennifer Aniston, as much as Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> and then the last one is, as much as Natalie Imbruglia. <laughs> They've just Googled, who are kids into 1999? It's the most 1999 thing. Like if you showed this to someone and said, right, what year do you think this is? <laughs> How many references can we get in? <laughs> Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? Last night, what happened? <laughs> there was action. Snogulous variety? Yeah. <laughs> well, we need details. How many times and for how long? Well, she liked the way I took command. I said, Janine, baby, I'm going to kiss you. Because you know what women like, don't you? Women like... Walking up behind you? No. Sneaking up on people while they're not looking. No, 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 no. Women like a man. Getting who... right within earshot. No, no, no. Women like a man who's not afraid to assert themselves, to take control, to. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Remember, you said you'd help me take dolphin urine samples too. Yeah, sure. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, he's just crazy about dolphin weight. So Paul is talking about how he thinks she might be the one. 
And then Bradley starts saying all these things kind of like, oh, I don't think she's good enough for you. He says she looks like the sort of girl who bites her nails and her toenails and she's wearing too much makeup. And he says you have to dump her. And I was confused about the logistics of this scene because I get that this seems to be every scene. But when I first watched this, I assumed that in this scene, Bradley saw Janine at the restaurant and realized like, oh no, the woman that I snogged last night is also the woman who Paul's dating. How embarrassing. So I rewound the scene to see if Bradley was sort of reacting, you know, when she walked in initially. Oh, Turns yeah. out he's not even there. <laughs> You're so right. Where did he come from? Yeah, he's not at the table with the rest of them. He walks in after she's no. left. No. And I don't, so I don't understand how he knows what's going on here. Oh my gosh. Did they not have a script supervisor on this show? That is so. Yeah. That is so. But it shows how much I was still thinking about Dolphin Urine at this point because I didn't even notice that. So they they got away with it as far yeah, as. Yeah, I, was... I only noticed this because I rewound it specifically to be like, oh, I wonder if Bradley reacts in any way when Janine walks in, but he's not even <laughs> bloody there. <laughs> Maybe he's got it from the information from the dolphins telepathically. Yeah, he's kept it quiet that actually he can speak to the dolphin as well. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's weird because someone that I guess the director must have decided Bradley has to walk in after Janine's left, and I don't, I don't understand how that works in terms of the plots. No, I think you're giving them too much credit that they've made any kind of conscious decision making. <laughs> I think that things just happened and they just didn't check whether or not it made any sense. Yeah, because yeah, I wonder at what point has he realised that the woman he kissed is now dating Paul? Like, when has he discovered this? And like you say, the fact he didn't react during the scene because he wasn't even there is also like evidence that they've <laughs> just been presented with a script and they've just learnt their lines. They've not thought about like their story arc or how they're feeling in each given circumstance. No. I'm going to say my words now. So Bradley is trying to convince Paul to dump her because he somehow knows what's going on here. And Paul kicks off and goes, um, there's so many women out there, Bradley. Can't you even bear to leave just one for me? <laughs> and his voice sort of breaks at that point. And he like flips his chair and walks out furious. Again, impressive flip. I'm, I think his physical performance in this episode is massively outweighs his his sort of verbal or emotional performance i was into the flip yeah yeah I, I agree with that i think and this is the point where bradley reveals to the others that he had a snog with janine last night before she went out with paul again who knows how he knows any of this <laughs> it's like that episode that episode of friends the uh but she doesn't know we know we know like oh no who knows what in this i don't know <laughs> But then we get this scene where Hannah is talking to Donnie the dolphin. Tina comes over and is like, what are we going to do about Paul and Janine? She's a two-timer. We can't let Paul go out with someone like that. And Hannah is weirdly kind of uninterested. She's like, oh, it's none of our business, really. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not really sure what her motivation was for, for that. Again, not being very supportive of their friend. <laughs> Hannah's basically like, meh. It's true. They're two sort of ends of the spectrum, aren't they, where Joe is really outraged to the point I slightly was like, oh, is there, is there going to be something between Joe and Paul? Because she really takes it upon herself to, and maybe it's just being a good friend, but she really takes it upon herself to like 
protect Paul and to sort this out. And like you say, Hannah is just now she's got a dolphin friend. She's not interested in humans at all. Yeah, Tina's really angry and they kind of think, oh, maybe Bradley should tell Paul or something. And Tina's like, where is Bradley? The dolphin sort of makes a noise and Hannah says he's told her that Bradley is with Joe trying to turn Rachel into a model. <laughs> so again, yeah, the dolphin knows things. It, it can tell where people are, people that it's never even met. <laughs> yeah. How does it know their names or anything? It's 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 quite an extraordinary dolphin. They should really charge more for that dolphin resort than the hotel is clearly paying. Yeah, that's an extra service. <laughs> it can just tell you where your friends are at any time. <laughs> and Tina says, how did he know that? And Hannah is like, oh, a halibut just told him. <laughs> Adding even more layers to this. It's preposterous. Then Rachel is freaking out. Donnie was right. Rachel is with Bradley and Joe. She's freaking out because she doesn't know what to wear for the photo shoot. And she says, no wonder Kate Moss always looks so grumpy. Uh, which I, I, could, I couldn't remember that Kate Moss was around in 1999, but I guess she she's been, been around, around then. forever. And again, I thought that was one of those lines that, and she did an okay job with it, actually, to be fair, Rachel. But it was one of those, lines, I thought, oh, there are some people in this room who can write the basic structure of an actual joke like I didn't mind that I didn't mind that moment so much compared to all the other nonsensical moments yeah and she's kind of trying lipstick on Joe and Bradley instead of herself <laughs> for some reason Bradley's quite embarrassed that he's got a bit of lipstick on I don't think she's worked out what a mirror is no <laughs> Yeah, surely it's not really going to help her trying lipstick on Bradley, is it? <laughs> Knowing what it'll look like on her. It's really, she's not thought that one through, I don't think. <laughs> Tina then decides to tell Paul about Janine. She says uh, that Janine's been seen snogging other blokes. And he kicks off and is like, you've made it up because you're jealous and you can't stand to see me happy. It's such a Again, moment. just it's, arguing. It's such a... I honestly think some that maybe this is the director has told um, Paul to really, really, like, this is the moment of the show where you lose your shit. Like, he really, he goes for it. It's like, whoa, he's doing some big acting. Um, and that made me slightly, again, be a bit more hopeful that I didn't think he did it well. Um, and it was very shouty, but I thought, oh, well, somebody's mapped out a vague journey, at least in the show, that like it builds, it builds, it builds. This is the like, this is the turning point moment where Paul, Paul goes wild. Yeah, he doesn't seem to think much of Tina, does, does he? He thinks <laughs> like, oh, she's not trying to help me out as a friend. She is for some reason furious that I've been on a date with someone. <laughs> yeah. And I quite like this bit where Paul storms off and Hannah then turns to Tina and goes, Donnie just said you made a hash of that. <laughs> I quite like that bit. I like to think that Hannah, if this was real life, can speak to dolphins but had, is now using it. She's worked out how to use it to her advantage to say the things that she really thinks as though the dolphin has mm -hmm. said them because clearly that was what Hannah thought, not what the dolphin thought. <laughs> Yeah, she's using it to her advantage. Like, what's that, Donnie? <laughs> you think Tina's being really outrageous and over the top? <laughs> and then we come to the photo shoot with Rachel, and she's decided to wear a long black dress and a feather boa <laughs> on the beach for some reason. And long white gloves. 
Yeah, and he immediately asks her to take the gloves off, doesn't he? Because it turns out he wants her to be a hand model. What a plot twist. Honestly, again, so many questions. How did he see her hands from so far away and decide Mm. that they were the hands for him? He was working with a model who, from what I remember, had pretty great hands, but instead he singled out Rachel across the beach to to be his hand model it was it was quite yeah, a he's, plot he twist. says to her um he says your hands are so much better than the rest of you <laughs> again just it's rachel stevens how can you say that again i really think that everyone's everyone clearly hates her in real life and is using the show as an opportunity to have a go at her but oh it's just a <laughs> it's just a show it's not what we think your hands are better than the rest of you rachel <laughs> he sort of hands her a, a wrench or something doesn't he yeah. and starts taking photos of her holding this wrench and obviously she's not happy about the situation and goes oh you like my hands do you and slaps him and it makes the loudest noise (laughs) like that has been added in later and he goes what was that for and she goes oh i was just giving you a closer look at them which i think is pretty decent comeback from rachel there again one of those moments i thought oh a glimmer of hope in the writer's room here's shone through um it actually made sense was funny felt quick-witted Fair play. Yeah. Then people are dancing around in what I guess is a bar, but it's quite sort of brightly lit, like it's the middle of the day, and there's like fish on the wall, but people are all dancing around as if they're in a club (laughs) or something. Uh, And Janine is with yet another guy who we haven't seen before. And Tina sort of marches over to them and pulls Janine to one side because she's had enough and she's going to stand up for Paul, even though he had a massive go at her before. She's a good friend, actually, isn't she, Tina? She's she's being very loyal in this episode. Yeah, no one else cares, really. No, they've all got their own stuff going on. Including Bradley, who is kind of... Well, I was going to say he's at fault, but we don't really know if he knew about Janine when he kissed her or anything like that. It's not clear enough. He's not making any effort to tell Paul, because I agree, I don't think the actual like kissing Janine was the issue, but he's not really been bothered about doing anything since then other than trying to get Paul to dump Janine for like a second and then he just seems to have moved on with his life. And he's not getting any blame or judgment thrown at him. Not at all. Whereas they're all like not impressed with Janine at all. She's a two-timer. I know, I know. And yeah, this is the point where Tina has a massive go at Janine. She says, what are you trying to do? Get into the Guinness Book of Records or something? (laughs) Oh god. And she accuses her of trying to road test the lips of the entire male population of southern Florida. Again, it's very 90s feminism, isn't it? It's very <laughs> I mean, fair play if she wants to road test the lips of of all the of all the guys. You go, Janine. Yeah, Janine can do what she wants. She just needs to be more honest with the guys <laughs> yeah, that's that there are other people. True. That's probably true. Tina mentions Paul and Janine can't really remember who Paul is, even <laughs> though she went out on a date with him like a day ago, which doesn't really say much about Paul. She's just forgotten. And in order to jog her memory, she looks through her little notebook for her notes on him. I think she's written down that he's passive aggressive or something like that. <laughs> 
I mean, it's a fair point. Yeah, and Tina goes, do you even like him? And she says, I like him just as much as I like all my experiments. What is... So she's so she's doing her... She's doing some sort of degree in psychology and she's using men as case studies in terms of their relationship with her in a sort of romantic sense. She's... It, it's all... I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not plausible. It's, it's not in any, it's, it's less plausible than Hannah being able to talk to dolphins. This is again a, a, a <laughs> point where my brain just slightly started then going somewhere else because I was going, but it, how is she presenting this information? You have to do a lot of like due diligence when you do research for a university. Like, is she, has she passed her ethics to do this? Like, are we supposed to just be in some sort of parallel universe here? Like, mm, it, it, it lost me at that point, I think, actually. I, I was like, I tapped out. Yeah, because she's studying marine biology and behavioural psychology. So, And I assumed the behavioural psychology relates to the marine animals. So again, I don't know what this study of humans is uh, proving, <laughs> unless she's just kind of claiming that it's a study just so she can get off with a load of people. Yeah, I think that's probably more likely. But it makes it all seem quite sinister, just referring to all these men as her experiments. <laughs> What are you trying to do? Get into the Guinness Book of Records? I beg your pardon? Why agree to go out with Paul if you're going to rotest the lips of the entire male population of Southern Florida? Paul? Hold on. Oh. Paul Cattermole? English, non-territorial, passive-aggressive tendencies tempered by the constant need for peer approval. He's got a nice haircut. What? My research notes? And does Paul know you've been studying quite so hard in the evening? No, because if I told him, it would affect his behavior and it'd make my notes invalid. So do you even like Paul? Of course I like Paul. I like him just like I like all my experiments. Listen, just let Paul down gently, you manipulative, slimy, four-timing, nasty, scraggy! Psychologist? But the next morning, Tina tells everyone else about this confrontation that's happened. And John makes a really strange remark. He says, what a broomstick jockey. And what does that mean? I I look this up, no results apart from Urban Dictionary. And I'm guessing this isn't what John was talking (laughs) about because Urban Dictionary says someone who sticks broomsticks in their anus (laughs) for their own amusement. (laughs) I'd love it if that is what he meant. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) What a broomstick jockey. I don't understand where that has come from. No, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Because I did, even before I looked it up, I thought that sounds a little bit sexual. No, I completely agree. I thought it was something to do with lots of things in your cupboard. Yeah. Jockey. Or maybe mm. now that now that I think about it, is, does he mean like a witch, like someone who's riding a oh, broomstick? Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> oh, but you've got to go a long way around to get to that, you know, for us to work that yeah, out. That literally, yeah, I've been thinking about this for days, and that has literally just occurred to me now. <laughs> <laughs> but that is insane. A broomstick jockey. That's the thing this show does. It leaves you with so much. You know, when you've watched those programs that you just keep thinking about and replaying and they have so much different so many different layers to them that's maybe what they are doing with these slightly (laughs) weird expressions they're giving you something to sort of think about for the coming weeks and years of your life (laughs) yeah i'm gonna use that now i'm not gonna say witch anymore (laughs) it's broomstick jockey from now on 
So Rachel says, relationships are like Porsches. They're easy to get into, but difficult to get out of. Um, I don't know if that's true. I didn't think to look it up, if that's the thing about Porsches. But John is quite confused and he's like, wait, so girls are like buses and relationships are like Porsches. And then he kind of sits back and goes, I think I'm just going to give up on girls and concentrate on passing my driving test, guys. <laughs> Zinga. Oh, John. Oh, John. And Hannah brings up Donnie again and is like, oh, Donnie told me there is something we can do. And Tina completely flips out and is like, will you stop talking about that stupid dolphin? <laughs> I'm with She's Tina. She's so annoyed. I'm with Tina because if this was real life, you'd go, Hannah's completely lost her mind and thinks she can talk to dolphins and we have real life issues that we need to deal with right now so hannah can you pipe down and go and get some serious medical help (laughs) yeah tina has absolutely had enough she's quite angry throughout this whole episode (laughs) i'm not sure if she's more angry about janine or about hannah with this dolphin (laughs) just everything is getting on her nerves and we get quite a uh, a dramatic scene after this where paul is swimming with donny the dolphin and there's a guy there supervising i guess and Donnie starts sort of dragging Paul away, doesn't he? With quite sort of tense music. Yeah. So do, how do we think they film this? The dolphin pulling Paul into the, you know, through the water at fast speed. Do we think that was a real dolphin? Do we think that that was a simulation? Yeah, because it, it, it doesn't really look sort of um, dangerous, does it? Because <laughs> the, the music is implying that it's a dangerous situation. And the instructor is like, no, Donnie, what are you doing? No! <laughs> like, freaking out at the side. But the dolphin looks like it's just kind of having a happy time, just sort of pulling Paul <laughs> along a few feet in the water. It's that thing that actors are always really paranoid that directors do is they put music under a scene (laughs) in order to sort of make tell the audience what the actor was supposed to have been like conveying with their acting. I feel like (laughs) this show does that a lot where it it doesn't really rely on the actors to tell the story or in this case the dolphin to tell the story. It very much is like telling us what to think and feel through its dun 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 music. Yeah, a few episodes ago, there was a scene where <clears throat> Hannah was sort of floating in the sea on a on a lilo, and then she fell off it. And it was framed as if it was like the most dramatic situation <laughs> ever, like a lifeguard had to go in and get her. And she did not look like she was in danger at all. <laughs> the dolphin is dragging Paul along. And we see that Janine is kissing some guy. And of course, that's where Donnie drags Paul. And Paul is, of course, really angry. And Janine's like, oh, he's just helping me with my thesis. And Paul says, yeah, I bet he is. Oral exam, is it? Which I think is quite a good line. Yeah, zinger. And he says to the guy, I'm going to kick your butt all the way to Poughkeepsie. I know. Again, what? What? Is that to appeal to the American audience? What's... What what does that even mean? And after he did so well with the oral exam line, he then yeah ru- ruins it by saying, "I'm going to kick your butt." I guess it's very realistic, isn't it? Is that you don't turn up and always say the right thing. Sometimes you do just look like a bit of an idiot. Yeah, he then also says, "I'm British and I'm a master of the British martial art of playing the spoons." <laughs> 
But also he does some sort of like hand gestures. And again, this is a moment like with the slap that Rachel did where they put in some weird like noises as he's doing his (laughs) martial arts. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like trying to make it more intense, I guess. But it's just, it is very weird. And yeah, it's a bit unclear what happens here, but it looks like the dolphin just kind of splashes some water at the other guy and he just completely falls into the water. It's so great. The dolphin has yet again saved the day um, for no real, like what's the motivation of the dolphin in all this? Why has the dolphin decided to be so team Paul? And, you know, that other guy actually hadn't necessarily done anything wrong because he doesn't know that all these other men exist. But the dolphin really (laughs) decides to, yeah, like you say, shoot him with a little bit of pathetic water, which seems to maybe it's acid or something because the guy loses it and is like... And then he dro- he falls in the water and then doesn't seem to reappear. So has he drowned? Is yeah. That is he sunk to the bottom? Yeah, we don't, we don't see him again, do we? He's just gone. <laughs> he died. Maybe Do- Donnie dragged him all the way under. <laughs> no wonder the previous instructor was freaking out so much when Paul started to be pulled away because clearly this dolphin has, you know, Paul wasn't about to be it's do- the dolphin's first victim. It's got a bit of a mean streak. <laughs> then at the end of the episode, they're all back in this bar and it does actually look like it's night time now. They're all kind of dancing around. Bradley actually asks Paul if he's okay. <laughs> the I first know. time this has really come <laughs> up. And Paul Paul doesn't seem that bothered really. He's kind of like, yeah, it's all right. Not too fussed. Yeah, after all that, after him being so excited about Janine, maybe he's just suppressing his feelings. Classic 90s masculinity. Yeah, and Tina is dancing with the male instructor from before. And Paul says... Uh, Chip was so upset that Janine and I broke up during his lesson that Tina just had to go and comfort him. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that seems like something someone would be upset they about just if someone broke horn. up in their lesson. Yeah, they just had to shoehorn in the reason that they were dancing together, just tie up a story that never existed. Though at least Tina got some sort of reward at the end because she's been pretty much the only person in this episode actually doing something productive. That's true. That's really nice. Go, Tina. And Hannah tells him that Donnie says there's plenty more fish in the sea. And Paul goes, and let's face it, he should know. Because he's a dolphin. (laughs) Yeah, and then it ends with them going and joining all the others on the dance floor. And Paul just sort of starts grinding against a random woman. (laughs) It's the most embarrassing grinding I've ever seen. He like properly (laughs) is going at her leg like a dog. It's so weird. And then it's like, and credits. (laughs) Yeah, at least he does kind of mouth at her, like, do you want to dance? So there was a, there was some consent yeah. in there. But yeah, the the level of dancing he's doing is really bizarre. He's really making up for his, his, like, his suppressed emotions through his crotch action on her leg. <laughs> so any other last thoughts on the episode at all? Only that thank you for bringing this into my life. Uh, it was honestly, <laughs> truly appalling. I just... I, I, I guess maybe it's because we were children, but I didn't realise how terrible it was because in my head it was this very glamorous mm-hmm. show with all these really beautiful people um, and it was mm-hmm. great to revisit it and and sort of realise 
what an absolute car crash it was so so thank you for the entertainment yeah i think maybe when we were younger we thought it was glamorous but just because they were in america do you know what yeah, i mean the Whereas the... watching it as an adult like it just looks like it was really made on the cheap like they spent all the money on flying to america <laughs> and then they had like a, a pound for every episode or something yeah that's it they blew it all on the flights you're so right so before we finish where can people find you on twitter and is there anything that you'd like to plug um so i'm at helen and then underscore monks m-o-n-k-s like monkey and um I guess take a listen to my podcast called Bitchin, which I do with Tilly Steele, who's also been a guest on this show. That's, uh, yeah. I, I, the, other than that, I don't have much to plug because I'm not really allowed to go anywhere. But, um, but yeah, and thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.